the answer to what they should write is just what would you say to someone that was sitting across from you in a bar? Hey, podcast listener, you're about to discover insider tips, tricks, and secrets to making more sales and converting more prospects into customers with email marketing. For more information about the email marketing podcast or the autoresponder guy, go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast. Hey everybody, uh, welcome back to the podcast and today uh, we have a very special guest I've been looking forward to for a while. He is a legend in copywriting circles. Brian Kurtz, who we had on the show previously, refers to him as one of the Mount Rushmore of boardroom copywriters. David Deutsch, welcome to the show. Well, thanks. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's really exciting to have you on the show. This is a, a real pleasure and an honor. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that nice introduction. <laughs> well, you've uh, you are a legend amongst copywriters, and everyone who listens to the show a lot. We have a lot of copywriters. Of course, we've had a lot of copywriters on the show, and some uh, some famous ones as well. But uh, you're seen as sort of that top A list pinnacle. So maybe let's go back to the very beginning and and start uh, with your superhero origin story. How how did you get into this? Well, I got into it. Just I found myself working at an ad agency. Uh, in New York, Ogilvy and Mather. Oh, the big, um, the big one. Yeah, the big one, the big one. But I, I, I was just working there as a temp. Okay. And I just thought, hey, as long as I'm here, this advertising stuff looks pretty interesting. Maybe I could try my hand at writing. So I persisted a little bit and uh, got a chance to do some copy, got into, you know, full-time doing copy. And that's that was the origin. It was... Right. Very unintentional. <laughs> it was just sort of like, oh, I'm here at Ogilvy. I guess you know, <laughs> guess I should write some copy. And now, when when you were there, was that like a? Uh, it was on Madison Avenue, of course, and people knew about Ogilvy right. and stuff. But how? What was the? What was the culture like uh, working there? Well, you know, it's funny. It's like when you grow up in New York City, you don't, or or you know, like a fish in water doesn't really think of it as being in water. <laughs> right. you know? So you just sort of think, well, this is what all. Advertising agencies are like they're founded by they're big they're founded by a genius right you know they have a teaching culture but it was you know it was very unique because of that it was very much like a teaching hospital you know okay it was very important you know learning and teaching and uh, it was very uh, it was very you know you did things in a certain way you right. know there were these you know rules for doing things. And uh, it was great to have that that kind of education, especially that respect, of course, for direct response that Ogilvy had. Right. And you know, did you have did you have much personal interaction with Ogilvy? Was he around at all, or were you mostly interacting with some of the other people? I, I was mostly interacting with other people, although I I did get to react interact with him. Nice. That's that's excellent because obviously he is a. Uh, like yourself now, he is a uh, legend of uh, copywriting. Everyone's uh, that's listening to the show hopefully has read his books, uh, and if not, shame on you. So take us. So who were the top copywriters working for Ogilvy when you were working there? Oh gosh, um, you know, at a place like that, you have creative directors. You know, like right. John Rand was there. Okay. Um, some people like that. That that uh, that. Oh my God, you're taking me back many years. <laughs> Well, it's just very interesting. I think, you know, I've always, I've read the Ogilvy books, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and so forth. And it's sort of like he's, you know, and watched some of his uh, 
is a very, very popular video that everyone probably has seen of him talking about direct response and so forth. But uh, it's interesting to hear somebody who's actually was, you know, around uh, at that time has has insight into like what what was that like because we sort of we sort of look back now and it has so much sort of legendary status to it but like you said i'm sure when you're doing yeah. it it just seems perfectly normal it was sort of like mad men you know fast right. forward about 10 or 20 years you know <laughs> with that you know not not so you know mad men was kind of probably an exaggerated version right in a certain way anyway but it was kind of like that you know the 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 dy- dynamics of it um and- now from there, how long were you, how long were you there? How long did you stay at Ogilvy? Oh gosh, um, I was there for a couple of years before I uh, moved down to Richmond and started working at you know well any ad agency would be a smaller ad agency but you know working with small <laughs> working with smaller ad agencies which was kind of fun because I got to do all the cool stuff you know I got yeah. to I got to well and also because I wanted to I suppose I could have just been a writer but sure. I kind of liked buying media I kind of liked except for the time I. You know, thought I made like a sixty thousand dollar mistake on a newspaper ad that we were going to have to eat, but it turned out I didn't. Um, cool. That, that that sort of was, you know, it's like I don't know if I want to do media anymore. You know, it's like, <laughs> um, but you know, especially like going after new business and all that stuff. I I just found that a lot of fun. So right now, a lot of copywriters, it seems like, and I've heard. John Carlton talk about this a bit and uh, just from having people on the show and so forth it seems to bear out over time that copywriters by and large seem to be a rather introverted have a lot of introverted people involved in copywriting would you consider yourself introverted or you say you like the media buying and the, the interaction and stuff what do you think you know I'm a high functioning introvert okay <laughs> I guess it's, it's the best way to describe that I I, I do pretty well, I you know, uh, but then I have to go and regroup and you know get my uh, get my energy back. Right. But yeah, I enjoy that. I don't. I don't. I, I I probably like writing better. In fact, when I'm not sitting in a room by myself writing, but when I'm with other people, or at least there are other people next door. Right. Very, so, very uh, cool. I try to do that whenever I can and and work um, work more. Uh, you know, partnering kinds of things, working right. with other writers, or you know, in fact, a lot of what I do now is is kind of working with other writers in terms of training and creative directing or copy supervising, right? Things like that. So, from the uh, smaller ad agencies, what was the next step? Um, well, the next step was discovering Jay Abraham. Okay. And that was like, hey, I want to do this. I want to. I want to <laughs> be more involved with companies on a different level. So I set out to kind of be a junior Jay Abraham and, and help people with marketing and, you know, get 25 cents on the dollar every, you know, right. Jay, Jay's thing was you get, give me 25 cents for every dollar I generate for you. Right. And, you know, I, I tried doing that a little, but I, I soon found myself, I, I soon found people who were far more willing to pay me money to write copy right. and um, that my skills translated pretty well, probably largely thanks to David Ogilvy. Uh, into direct response. So um, I hooked up with John Finn, who was kind of a copywriter's agent in uh, California. He put me in touch with people like Jim Rutz. I, I worked with Jim for a while, who was nice. a great, great copywriter, and yeah. got into the whole world of writing for people like Boardroom and 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 the big publishers. Very nice. So what, so when you uh, sort of hit that level, what was it like to go to work for people like Boardroom? I mean, you, were you aware of them beforehand and so forth when you got first got involved with them, or was it just no? Eight? I had never, no, I'd never heard of. I'd never really heard of Boardroom until okay. uh, I started uh, working with Jim. I think. Nice. And he was working with them at the time. 
Yeah, yeah. He had been working with them for a while. Jim practically like invented the Magalog. Right. I mean, I think he literally may have. Yeah. Um, so uh, I've heard yeah. people say that. Yeah. Uh, so now working for Boardroom. What year was that when you started at Boardroom? Do you remember? Oh gosh, you know the early '90s. Yeah. I think first project with Jim. Yeah. And you've gone on to uh, etch quite a, uh, like you said, we said at the beginning, etch a legendary status, at least in Brian Kurtz's mind for sure, and uh, in most people's uh, opinion. So how did you ascend to the uh, to the heights of the copywriting world? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, you know, I think just this sort of, you know, Drayton Bird calls it this this feeling of never quite being satisfied. Mm. You know, of always feeling it could be better, I could be better. Right. You know, and as a and I, I think I really enjoy learning. I kind of like learning things, and persuasion, and copy, and and putting words together. So I was pretty diligent in terms of um, reading. Uh, you know, I read Claude Hopkins when I was at Ogilvy because Ogilvy said you should read Claude Hopkins. Right. So I took it out of the. Uh, Took it out of the library. I think I was the first person to take it out in like four years or something. You know, so. That's funny. <laughs> uh, and so I – it's it's partly that. I think partly a lot of study and I think partly also putting myself in a position to learn from people. You know, working under Jim Rutz and, and, and working under Jim Punkery and, and, you know, and people like that, I think. Because there's – in a way, there's really no substitute for that. You know, right. you can learn stuff from books and from reading people's copy, but to really have someone look at your copy and tear it apart, tell you to go and do it over and tell you, okay, this is, you know, finally what we're looking for. And, right. You know. Now, were you, uh, in terms of the, some of the ways these mentors of yours, uh, you know, were they directly teaching you or, you know, in sort of a hands-on approach and saying like, no, this is like you said, like uh, destroying your copy and having you rewrite it? Or was it more of a company thing where you'd pass it through and they would change it and so forth and then tell you after? Or sort of how did it all work? Yeah. You know, it's an interesting question because, you know, was, a, a lot of people didn't really have or articulate a philosophy right. as I would have expected they would. You know, it was more like don't be boring. You know, especially Jim Butts, who's like right. ever boring. I don't think he's ever written a boring word of copy. Right. Uh, so it was more like that. It was more um, learning, right, as you say, from from what they did to my copy. Right. Because there's nothing like trying to solve a problem and then seeing how someone else solved the problem. Like it's like, oh, I struggle. How do I make this interesting? And uh, what about this? And he said, no, like this. Blah 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 blah. Oh my God, that's amazing. And then you look at it. And you go, oh, you deconstruct. Okay, how did they do this? Oh, they they did this. You know, mm-hmm. they they took it and they found a an aspect of it. I think bullet writing helps a lot. Right. I'm I'm a big fan of that. I mean, I love to do bullets, and I, I think that was great training because you could really see in a bullet, you could see what the template is. Yeah. You know, what never to do, what always to do, 10 things to do, right. uh, the thing X that does Y, right. um, you know, what everyone's doing and not telling you how to add emotion. It was like a great little, little training ground yes. to just sharpen copy skills. You know, there's a thing in, I don't want to get off on a long tangent, but there's a thing in training, in, in learning things, which involves 
the idea of very isolated learning. Like when you're learning soccer, they found one of the best ways to learn it is to put people in a really small room and make them play soccer. So you're like constantly being past the ball and you're constantly having to block. Right. Does that make sense? Like yeah, a very yeah, yeah, yeah. space. You're immersive, so, yeah. But yeah. And it's so kind of like that with bullets. It was like constantly got to make this clever, got to make this work, got to make this interesting, got to make this interesting. How do I take this and make it interesting? Right. And so it was a great, you know, a great training ground for that. Yeah, because bullets are kind of like a microcosm for the rest of the of the copy. You know, it's yes. just, right? So that makes a lot yeah, of sense. Yeah, and also, you know, there's a fine line between bullets and regular copy. Right. You know, you could say bullet, what never to eat on an airplane. Right. Or you could say, you know, hey, I'd like to tell you a little bit about something that may surprise you. Did you know that there's something you should never eat on an airplane? You know, <laughs> it's true. And in this book, I'm going to tell you what it is, as well as many other things that you should never do. Right. Uh, that could be a bullet or it could be body copy or it could be a headline. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so true. I think I enjoy writing bullets myself and trying to figure out ways, you know, to make them interesting and to suck people into the uh, what what could that be about? You know, yep. so I remember getting sucked into <laughs> bullets myself, specifically ones I remember Gary Halbert had written, as I learned later. Uh, and I just thought to myself, wow. What is like, I think, because uh, I bought a bodybuilding course when I was 19 and I la later learned that Gary wrote the uh, letter for it. Right. And I and I remember just, I can still feel it waiting for the package to arrive and I was looking over the bullets. Well, what I then, you know, think we're just, this is what's going to be in the product. Oh my goodness. What, you know, one thing never to do when you walk into a gym or whatever it was. Uh -huh. and, uh, you know, and I think I'm like, what could that possibly be? You know, I don't even remember what it was once I got the product but i still remember that bullet so there's such power in those things and you know it's 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 a powerful way too to learn copy is to see how copy affects you yeah because that's that's, that's you don't need someone to look at your copy when right. when you can feel does it does it resonate with me and you can feel when you can feel your own copy does it does it resonate would it make me want to want to buy this or want to read the the book that this bullet is from there's a famous story I'm, i i wish i re really knew who the guy was but i think he was associated with the guy who wrote the wall street journal letter whose name escapes me off the top of my head oh malcolm yeah something or yeah. somebody who was another writer who was associated with him wrote the copy for a book a product uh, there was a book, and when the guy he gave it to the you know the pro the uh, owner of the business, the owner was like, "Well, this isn't the book I I wrote." You know, he's like, "No, this is the book you should have wrote." Ah. You know? And then the guy went back and changed it. Now, have you encountered some of those things in uh, in in your uh, lengthy copywriting career? You talking about you know ch like changing a product? Yeah, like when people come to you with stuff. I mean, you you right. a lot of copy, right. and you're like, and you do the obviously the research aspect to find out all the different details about it and so forth. And then you think, okay. I wrote this cup but this is what it should be you know and then they've gone back and changed the product because so that happened to me uh, yeah, sure. a couple times yeah yeah and and also don't forget you're talking about offers too so right. the the book may stay the same but hey what about let's add these bonuses right you know and then that may be something you can or the angle can, of, um, of, the, of the copy itself you know the book is titled a certain way or, or they think it's right 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 now, in right. terms of uh, what you're doing nowadays, now you still have controls, um, uh, many controls. Yeah, yeah. How many controls do you currently have with uh, out oh my there? Gosh, I'm not not sure how many of my mail now. <laughs> That's basically what you're known for, though, having these long-standing controls. Yeah, yeah. Which is, um, which I is great. If we include the things I've kind of helped creative direct or, right. or helped on, right. then there's probably quite a few. There's maybe six or so. Wow. 
you know, that are, that are mailing right now. That's awesome. And that's sort of, you, you've, of course, come from that direct mail world, uh, and now we're in the internet age where right. direct right. mail seems to be, uh, I mean, people still do it, obviously, but it seems to have sort of, uh, it doesn't have the, the sizzle or the, or the sexiness, perhaps, that it had in the past when it was the only option or one of the only options. What's your take? Yeah, that makes it a good well, that, that makes it a good secret weapon, I think. And, you know, Brian Kurtz probably talked about this a little bit, you know, the power of direct mail and right. how scalable it is, you know, um, because when you find the thing that works to a certain segment, right, Yeah. you can find other names, you know, like right. that. Whereas you try to scale something on the Internet, and it doesn't quite work because, it, I don't know, the traffic costs start to get up and up and costs more to get uh, uh, keywords and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and and also because people aren't mailing, there's a, a big potential. Right. You know, it's not so hard to stand out in the mailbox. Right. It's like an untapped. It's become an untapped resource for many. Yeah. So companies. For God's sake, don't tell people about this. <laughs> we'll have to edit this. Keep it our now. secret. <laughs> so and now, since you've been on both sides of that, you've been in the sort of direct mail thing, and now you're in the internet age. What have you noticed about some of the copy you see, you know, nowadays as opposed to when you, I mean, basically when it was doing direct mail, you had to have a lot of skin in the game almost to even send that copy out. You had to at least spend some money, you know, uh, and, a, and a good chunk chance to, to get to get the names or however you were doing it. Yeah. But yeah. nowadays you yeah. can throw something up pretty quickly for uh, copy out there being tested and driving uh, traffic to it. What have you noticed about how this right. whole thing is involved. Well, I mean, there's a lot of aspects to that. Obviously, just because something's on the internet, as you say, it, it's not something that someone's willing necessarily to put a lot of money behind. So you, so you certainly get a lot more junk right. out there. On the other hand, you doing it right, you also have a tremendous ability to test very right. quickly and very rapidly. So there's a certain the copy evolves then, you know, among smart people very, very rapidly. Right. You put something up, it works, you know, this this much, you make some tweaks, you try a new headline, try some new copies, some new pictures, new graphic format, and gradually you've turned a single into a home run. Right. And you've let the market almost tell you what right. the copy should be. I mean, yeah. you've got to be smart enough, obviously, to know what copy to write so they can choose this one or this one. <laughs> right. Um, but it is sort of this Darwinian, you know, survival of the fittest that's that's like speeding up – it speeds up evolution, you know, like controls evolve in direct mail and, and get better and better. But on the internet, they can evolve, you know, like really fast. Yeah, the iterations are super fast. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, you said you're mostly involved as sort of, you know, copy chiefing, being – sort of overseeing things and so forth and working with other writers. Now, when it comes to getting the best out of, let's say, my own copy, if you're the writer or if you're hiring writers, because we have, of course, business people that listen to this show, who hopefully you'll get a copywriter to write their, their copy. What are some of the ways? I know this is sort of stuff you're into nowadays. What are some of the ways to get the best copy uh, out there, or at least start with something that has potential? I think it, I mean, it sounds a little bit cliche, but it's, it starts with an understanding of the market. You know, and, and really on a deep level, you know, on a level of what do these people want that goes beyond, you know, someone wants to make more money or someone right. wants to get rid of their arthritis. You know, what is it really like to have arthritis? What is it like to every time you go to open a jar to like hesitate because it's going to hurt to do that, you know? 
Right. What is it like not to be able to pick up your grandkids? You know, if you're talking to doctors, you know, what do they really want? You know, what doctors want is different. That's I learned from John Carlton, really. I have to give him some credit. Um, you know, doctors are different from chiropractors. You can't, like, if you're doing practice management, you can't talk the same way to doctors as you can to chiropractors. Right. You can't just say, make more money in your practice, you know? Right. Um, doctors, you know, have a different image of themselves that not as not being money grubbing, you know, and they may want more sanity in their life because doctors are constantly pulled in 20 directions. Yeah. Chiropractors, I think, think a little more broadly, maybe about retirement. And they also, they also, there's a certain, uh, they want to have more respect because they're not right. considered the doctors. So right. there's that element of you know how do you and how do you address that you yeah. know in, in the copy that you're you're writing to them and all markets you know have that but yeah. you know do you do the work of really digging down there talking to people and 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 looking you know it's almost like you got to just see beneath the surface right and some people are really good at that like chris haddad and you know john carlton and if you read their copy you can see how they're talking to that level beneath the surface right it's like pulling back the curtain and seeing the wizard instead of the actual wizard. yeah 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 it's what people they're talking to what people you know really want because they know that somehow right uh now what sort of things can people do for those people who are either aspiring copywriters just getting started or people who are in the early throes of a copywriting career what sort of you know what's what are sort of the best angles to take on research uh, where do you go? You know, who do you who do you want to talk to? What are some of the steps that you personally take when you're starting with something uh, fresh? Yeah, gosh, there's so many things. Um, <laughs> you know, one of the best ways is to get like the company's best salesman to sell you on the product. Like, right. what's their sales pitch? You know, write it down, transcribe it. Um, get the president of the company to sell you on it. You know, if if there's no salesperson or or someone to right. really sell you directly. Like, like, what do they do? What have they found? Um, talk to customers. Talk to prospects. Right. Um, what's going through their heads? What kind of things do they think about? Are they glad? Why are they glad they, they bought the product? What's the? How do they talk about the problem? How do they talk about the product? Um, you know, people talk about things in different ways. You know, um, to people with diabetes, talk about themselves as diabetes sufferers. Do they talk about high blood sugar? Do they talk about their glycemic index? Do they talk about, you know, what are they, right. how do you, you know, if you went on a forum and tried to talk and you weren't a, you didn't really have whatever disease it was, like they would know pretty quickly right. by the way you talked. Yeah, the words and so you chose. you don't want to be that person. Yeah, you want to be the person that could talk about it in a way that, that you would fit in there. Right. Um, so, you know, the other thing too is, you know, the answers are inside you, you know, right. you can, you can, it's called method acting in acting, right. you know, you just sit down, get in a chair, close your eyes and really pretend to be a person that has whatever problem it is, right? Pretend to be a person with arthritis. What would that be like to go through the day like that? Right. What would it be like to, you know, um, be someone, if you're selling a business opportunity, what would it be like to be someone that's making, you know, 40,000 a year and trying to feed their family and, and feels like they want something more, but they don't know quite know how to get it. You know, what does that feel like? What sort of things do they see around them? You know, do they see a television that's, you know, not a big screen TV because they can't afford that, you know? 
do they do they see a home that's not as big as they would like it to be um what are they feeling are they feeling like they're not as good a provider or a husband not as good a father as they could be because of that some of the deeper issues that they're yeah at surface level like you're saying and what's keeping me from buying this product you know if you really think about yourself buying the product right why would you not buy it you know it's like "Ah, i'm gonna look stupid if i buy this and it doesn't work (laughs) and my wife's gonna say why did you pay 200 dollars for this product you know like another product you've bought so many products so you know and Yes, I know that it works, but would it work for me? You know, right. a lot of times people leave out that aspect of things. Right. It's like, this really works, really works. Look at all these people it worked for. Yes, but you've never addressed the issue of, will it work for me? Because I've tried all these things and they haven't worked. And I don't know that I'm as smart as these other people it's worked for. Right. I don't know if I have the skills that these other people had. So and your copy has to kind of talk about those things that's that's great now with your current sort of work with other writers what are some of the most common things you see people doing uh you know for lack of a better term doing wrong leaving out now you mentioned a few of them there in the what you just said what are some of the other main yeah because it's usually over and over it's usually the same sort of stuff that people are, are it missing. is yeah are missing it is um, you know, it's people think of themselves as writers and they sit down to write and they become writers and they don't realize that they're not writers. They're just trying to, I hesitate to even use the word sell. They're just trying to convince someone to do something, you know, right, right. and instead they go into this writerly mode, you know, it's right. like, what's a way to get their attention? I got to tell them it's a killer, you know, thing to do. And, <laughs> and when in reality, the answer to what they should write is just what would you say to someone that was sitting across from you in a bar? Right. You know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't say the kinds of things people write in copy these days. <laughs> the hyperbole you know, and stuff, yeah. Killer opportunity <laughs> to make, you know. Right. You know, you would be more, look, Joe, I know you've tried a lot of stuff. I, you know, this is, you know, this is different. It's different because it's the first thing that, you know, gives you, this but it also does it in this way you know a little bit of a hint of mechanism to it um you know that's really the biggest thing is just that read the copy you wrote as if you're reading it to someone to the prospect and do you feel ridiculous when you're reading it or do you feel like you're really talking to them normal conversation yeah yeah so, David, uh, what sort of projects do you have uh, of your own going on? What What are you into, like, right now? Like, if people uh, want to get a hold of you, maybe they want some information from you. What do you got going on, and where should they go? Well, th- my website is davidldeutsch.com, um, D-A-V-I-D-L, and then D-E-U-T-S-C-H.com. Right. And, um, you know, mainly what I do these days is I work with, you know, companies or individuals helping them be better writers right. you know um either directly with writers or with um with a company that uses either outside writers or they have their own staff writers and i'll do training or i'll do kind of copy supervising or create you know creative directing whatever you want to call it right uh just kind of getting it up to the next level and uh you know i just really enjoy doing that I really like making other people's copy i'd rather work on 10 pieces of copy with other people than do one piece of copy on my own. Right. Very good. Uh, so. Yeah, that's great. And, uh, 
Well, you've really, you've really, okay. yeah, you've really delivered here today. I mean, you. Uh, well, thanks. It's been thanks. A, it's very been a, interesting learning more to, about you. Well, it's been interesting to talk to you. <laughs> it's awesome, and thanks for coming on the show. By the way, it's been a real pleasure and again an honor to have you on the show. I'm so glad we were able to arrange oh, this. I enjoy talking to you. It's my favorite subject. It's happy. <laughs> now, for people who listen to the show, I've talked to everybody next week. Hopefully, someone even half as insightful and entertaining as David Deutsch. Do you have online courses, information products, or other digital assets? If you do, I have one question for you. Is your marketing built on a rock-solid foundation? A foundation that is exciting, important to your prospects, and so beneficial that it stirs a deep need for those products the very first moment someone hears about them? Over at MakeWordsPay.com, I put together a free report just for you. It is all about building your marketing on ideas that make it easier to sell your products. Ideas that boost your bottom line and make the cash just flow in. Go over to MakeWordsPay.com and download the free report now. Discover how your marketing foundation stacks up. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. If you want to discover more insider tips, tricks, and secrets about driving sales with email marketing, sign up for daily email tips from the autoresponder guy. Go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast, sign up, confirm your email address, and I'll send you daily emails on how to improve your email marketing and make more sales via email. You'll find out why open rates don't matter and the seven-letter word that underlies all effective marketing and much more.